Hello and welcome to PathPod. This is our next episode of Beyond the Scope. Today our host, Dr. Kamran Mirza of Loyola University, talks about the pathology training pipeline with Dr. Matthew Clark, a neuropathologist in training at the Institute of Cancer Research in London, England, and Dr. Ankara Davies, a pathologist at Swansea University in the United Kingdom. We'll hear their conversation about the challenges, opportunities, and successes of pathology pipeline education and initiatives across the pond. Dr. Davies is on Twitter at SwanseaBug, and Dr. Clark is on Twitter at Pathology House. Be sure to check out the episode description for links to the winning Royal College of Pathologists essays discussed in this episode. Now here's your host, Dr. Mirza. This is PathPod. Welcome to this episode of Beyond the Scope, where we continue our discussion on the pathology pipeline. Today, my guests are Dr. Ankarat Davies and Dr. Matthew Clark. This is a special episode from across the pond. Let me do a quick introduction of these amazing individuals. Dr. Ankarat Davies is a clinical associate professor and honorary consultant medical microbiologist at Swansea University Medical School and vice president for learning of the Royal College of Pathologists. She qualified in medicine from the University of Cambridge in 1993, and after gaining MRCP, undertook her specialist training in medical microbiology and virology at the Royal Free Hospital in London. She went on an MRC clinical research training fellowship at University College London, gaining a PhD in aspects of dormancy in tuberculosis. Ankarad is a principal fellow of the Higher Education Academy and an elected member of Council of the Academy of Medical Educators. Since 2018, she has worked with the Royal College of Pathologists on undergraduate and foundation education, particularly foundation, establishing the RCPATH Foundation Fellowship Scheme and a number of other foundation initiatives. She is also Infection Specialty Lead for Health and Care Research Wales. At Swansea, she is Consultant Microbiologist for the National Cryptosporidium Reference Unit and Theme Lead for Infection and Immunity at the Medical School, where she also leads a number of BSc and postgraduate modules. Angharad is Co-Deputy Chair of the British Medical Association's Women in Academic Medicine Group and a member of the UK REF 2021 Equality and Diversity Advisory Panel, the RCPATH Diversity and Inclusion Group, and a number of other UK national equality initiatives. Dr. Matthew Clark is a neuropathology trainee who just completed a PhD in the molecular pathology of infant gliomas at the Institute of Cancer Research. He is aiming to specialize in pediatric neuropathology and molecular pathology. He completed a BSc degree in zoology at the University of Liverpool before completing his medical training at Kiel Medical School. After completing his foundation training, he applied for core surgical training and successfully achieved a post in London where he completed his MRCS examinations. However, although enjoying surgery, his thoroughly enjoyable experiences of a foundation post in histopathology could not be forgotten, and so he applied to change specialties and has not looked back since. Matthew has been a member of the RCPATH Trainees Advisory Committee for a number of years in the capacity of Association of Clinical Pathologists, Examinations Committee, and England Regional Council Representative, and also held the position of Vice Chair. He has been the Chair of the Committee since November 2018. Matthew is very passionate about pathology and is very actively involved in the different pathology societies, including being Deputy Meeting Secretary of the BDIAP, the Trainee Communications Officer for the ACP, and Assistant Editor of the ACP News. 
He loves to teach and is very involved with public engagement projects to promote pathology to other healthcare professionals, to schools, and the general public. He was awarded the RC Path Furness Prize for Science and Communication in 2020. In his spare time, he has a passion for all things historical and is a regular visitor to museums and heritage sites. He also loves the outdoors and is keen on walking and bird watching. Welcome to this episode. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks Pleased very to be much. here. It's really, really nice to see you guys. I've been working with you, obviously, on the International Collaborative of Pathologists, but I really wanted to ask you some questions, pick your brains about what we're doing right in the pathology pipeline, what we could do better, uh, and kind of talk about your stories on how you found the lab and what inspires you uh, when it comes to pathology and the pathology pipeline. So I'm always interested in knowing how people found the lab. Uh, Matt, if I can start with you, very interesting story, zoology to surgery to pathology. Tell us about your journey and kind of how you stumbled across uh, pathology. Thanks very much, Cameron. Well, yeah, it is an interesting journey and it's been quite a long journey. Um, so uh, when I went to medical school, I'd always been very geared towards uh, sort of surgery um, in particular. And so my all my CV had been geared towards entering a, a, a training program related to that. And um, I did my foundation jobs and I I did eventually apply for a core surgical training post down in London, which I was fortunate enough to get. Um, but what completely changed things for me was that um, in my foundation year two, there was a single job I mean, general surgery, which is what I was really interested in, but it was allied with a four month post in histopathology. And so I did that post and I absolutely fell in love with it. I loved the job and I, but I still, I still wasn't quite ready to um, give up on my surgical aspiration. So I, I went and pursued the surgery, but although I enjoyed my training in surgery, every time we did an operation, I wanted to follow the specimen back to the lab to sort of make the diagnosis down the microscope and so I eventually made a quite a difficult decision um, and decided to uh, change training programs um, but I haven't looked back since and uh, here I am now several years down the line and um, yes I absolutely love it it was uh, one of the best decisions I've made really but what I love with, that, with pathology is that even though I'm no longer doing surgical practice anymore we work so closely with the surgeons um, so they're on the phone frequently and we work with them as part of the multiple uh, multidisciplinary team meetings as well um and so yes there's there's regular contact um with 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 the clinical team which is fantastic that's wonderful it's very exciting it isn't unusual to hear that people didn't have pathology on their radar from the get-go and you know there are numerous instances of very successful people in pathology who have you know had a circuitous route but they finally found themselves to a pathology and so we're very glad that you're here just one of the interesting things about it as well is i Again, I wouldn't, without that having that four-month post in my foundation job, I probably would never have even thought of considering it um, because there was, again, very little exposure to it as part of our medical school training and things. So it, it was such a valuable time to actually have that post and actually be in, um, in a job working with other histopathologists, really. So if I look back on that event, as uh, maybe I, wouldn't, I would still be in surgery now without that, really. But. That's a perfect segue into what I was about to uh, mention to Ankharad as well, that it, typically, this isn't, again, on people's radars, and it seems that you, um, Ankharad, have had made a very special niche in um, medical microbiology and education. So how did you find the lab? Uh, well, I suppose I came to it from the medical side. 
I, as a, as a medical student, I enjoyed infection. In fact, even when I was at school, I was really interested in infection. And then at medical school, I enjoyed the pathology. I did a course, a medical school course that was quite heavy in pathology at Cambridge, which is one of the places where they teach a lot of pathology. And I did enjoy it. But I didn't really consider it as a career until I had done my postgraduate medical exams, which is MRCP over here. And then I was trying to pick a specialty and infection was what I wanted to do. And at that time, you could choose between straight medical microbiology or infectious diseases. And uh, I went for medical microbiology, which is it, there were far more employment opportunities in that at the time. Uh, now in the UK, the infection training has been combined. So you can train in both medical microbiology and infectious diseases uh, together. That's wonderful. But you also combine a passion to educate. Has that always been the case? Or did you find along the journey that, you know, being part of a teaching or educating environment was what you wanted to do? Well, I have after I did my specialist training in medical microbiology, I got a, a medical research council clinical research training fellowship in London, which is a, a three year program working towards a doctoral degree in research uh, and is the aim of that is to recruit people into clinical academic careers. So after I had completed that PhD, I looked for an academic position, which is what I now have in, in South Wales. And that was a combination of teaching and education. But as time went on, I specialised in the educational side. Um, because I really enjoy that and, and I I've um, I find that very rewarding and I'm particularly interested. My particular interest is in educating on antimicrobial resistance and not only for medical students, but also uh, for other healthcare professionals. So one of my interests is interprofessional and interdisciplinary education. That's wonderful. Though this is that's exactly what I find uh, uh, is a common thread between uh, pathologists, whether they be on the medicine side and my medical microbiology side, or whether they be in the you know core histopathology side. This interest to further the education of everyone it's it almost comes naturally to us, which I think which I find very very interesting. And and naturally, medical school the base foundation of medical school is incomplete without this type of education. So I applaud you both, and it's wonderful uh, the things that you're doing. Doing. Uh, it does beg the question, though, that despite our presence in medical school curricula and education and the foundation of all of medicine and surgery, basically, it still seems that medical students don't have pathology and laboratory medicine kind of careers on their on their checklist at all. Some people have said that it's because they see us more in a didactic role where they see us as lecturers in, you know, particular type of preclinical medicine, and they don't necessarily find that link to the clinical part of medicine, uh, which is unfortunate. But what can what are we doing wrong? Maybe I guess that's a negative way to say it. But how can we make things better? What can we do to perhaps attract uh, a medical student towards our career? Uh, and and what are some of the things that you and your roles have been doing? Matt, if we could start with you. 
Thanks, Cameron. Well, I, I think um, there, there are a lot of things to think about with this, really. And I, I wonder whether the access is one of the big things. So although we're not most, a lot of us in pathology, it, again, it depends what specialty you are, are not patient facing. And so they're not necessarily people that medical students will come across pathologists on a, on a ward, ward round or as one of the specialties in that regard. Um, and I think that maybe a, a bit like my experience, really, where it, when it, it's it, it, at the moment, it seems like if you're lucky enough to get a post that's where you get the exposure to it and from my experience as well when in my rotation there were three other trainees that um ro rotated in that post and uh i think nearly three quarters of them actually have applied for pathology since that time really so it, it, it's exposure to the department and seeing how integrated it actually it, it actually can be i think um things are changing though with pathology i think certainly in histopathology as well there are opportunities for more interaction with patients and the digital age as well um, so I think maybe that might be an opportunity where we start to see medical students taking more of an interest because again pathology is one of the most fast advancing specialties we've got the molecular era of pathology we've got digital we've got AI everything is changing year on year um, and even in the short time that I've been involved with it it's it's such a rapidly progressing thing and I think that's really uh, can capture medical students interest and a bit like what Ang Harrod said about um, teaching as well there are so many opportunities with research as well and I think maybe those are some of the things that we need to be emphasizing to medical students a lot of them are very interested in getting involved in research activities and um, particularly with molecular pathology um, there are the world is your oyster with it there are so many things that we're now that are now coming out about different diseases and making clinical impacts as well and I think um, just showing how integral pathologists are in the day-to-day patient care, I think, is where we need to be focusing our attention and encouraging medical students in that regard as well. So I think opening up opportunities for them to be in our labs, um, spending time with us more as well, foundation posts actually as a junior doctor in those in those positions are also increased as so valuable in my opinion. And I think if we can try and promote those, um, and again, in medical education, when, when talking about cases um, particularly in the senior years of medical school, I think one of the things I've always found is that pathology, when it is taught, if it's taught, is in the early years. And I fail to see why it's not relevant in the third, fourth and fifth years. And that's when it brings it together. It brings a patient history together, looking at the pathology. What does it look? this disease look like down the microscope? And if you're going to be, whatever specialty you're going to go into, if you're going to be communicating with patients a patient themselves or their family about a disease I think having an understanding of what that may look like down the microscope or um, a, a pathology knowledge about it is crucial to that and I think we need to be emphasizing that a lot more in in medical school education I think and alongside that I think we'll get we'll capture the interest of medical students with it. I couldn't agree more. I can, uh, you know, that resonates here in the United States as well. I think we have similar issues. Angharad, if I could, you know, point the same question to you, I'm also particularly interested in your work with the Royal College of Pathologists, the foundation, um, you know, education, particularly in the foundation area, the fellowship team that you have, and kind of the work with RCPATH as well. Yes, so there are two areas here, really. Firstly, medical schools, uh, which Matt has already uh, commented on uh, very well. Uh, but we do know that there's a huge disparity between different medical schools in the UK, even in terms of how much pathology medical students experience. And the medical schools, the system in the UK means that they have a lot of, of independence and a lot of, of leeway on how much pathology they include in their courses. 
Uh, a study that was published recently found that teaching for all of histopathology, immune, immunology, infection, biochemistry and haematology accounted on average for less than 5% of medical student teaching time overall, uh, which is tiny when you consider that those specialties together are the basis of most of medicine. And interestingly, we, although we, we obviously it would be desirable for much more pathology to be taught, we actually don't know for sure what impact this has on career choice. And studies of psychiatry, for example, which is another hard to recruit to specialty over here, have found that there is no correlation between the amount of mental health teaching at medical school and the number of students who eventually enter that specialty. Um, and we don't have that data for pathology in the UK yet. And that's something which would be very interesting to explore. Uh, but intuitively, the adage, if you can't see it, you can't be it, uh, seems to have the ring of truth. And so to try and address this for undergraduates, for medical students, the Royal College of Pathologists uh, set up a residential undergraduate summer school for medical students, which runs in London every August. I think Matt's been heavily involved in this. It's uh, free to attend and overnight accommodation is provided. So that's very attractive for people and it has been extremely popular. Then when we come on to talking about foundation doctors, in the UK, the first junior doctor jobs are called foundation posts. And this is a real problem area, I think, because at this time, the exposure to pathology is even less than the minuscule amount that students get. Uh, the junior doctors are so caught up in the ward management of patients that they have absolutely no time to even think about the lab. And there are actually very few foundation posts which have a rotation through a pathology discipline, which Matt has just said was so important for him, for recruiting him into, into histopathology. And we're very lucky and we're very glad that Matt did do one of those posts and, and has come on board. Um, but again, the fewer than 5% of foundation posts in the UK have, have an element like that. Um, and the, the other problem here is that the foundation stage is particularly important in terms of recruitment because this is the stage when doctors decide on their next step and, and could potentially apply for pathology training. So we really don't want them to lose sight of pathology at this critical stage. And so uh, two or three years ago, uh, the Royal College of Pathologists decided to build on our undergraduate work and the undergraduate summer school and develop an offer for foundation doctors as well. And uh, we've set up a number of schemes uh, over the last couple of years for foundation doctors, including uh, an annual taster event, which Matt has been again very involved with. The first time we ran this, it was an in-person event in London, where we had consultant and trainee pathologists from different disciplines explaining their work and the training pathways. And Matt uh, devised a pathology battle, in which case, where, where the different disciplines tried to come up with a diagnosis for a mock clinical case, and that was great fun. Uh, so we had some great feedback from that. And last year, because of the pandemic, we had to run that remotely. But that did mean we could open it up to medical students as well. And people from across the UK were able to attend and we had over 200 delegates. So in some ways, that was an advantage. Uh, and before, before that event in the summer, our remote taster event, 36% of the attendees said they were fairly sure they wanted a career in pathology. And afterwards, 59% said they were either likely or very likely to pursue a career in pathology. 
Another thing that we've done is to establish foundation fellowships. And the aim of this scheme is to support really high caliber foundation doctors who are interested in pathology and to engage them with the college's work. Um, and, and how it works is that all foundation doctors whose rotations include a pathology post, as Matt's did, are eligible to apply in competition for one of these foundation fellowships. And we've got some various other initiatives as well. We've got essay prizes and a free college membership now for foundation doctors. And actually, uh, we are seeing some signs of success. The uh, I'm pleased to report that histopathology over the last three years has gone from being the least likely specialty to manage to fill its specialty training posts in the first round of interviews to one of the specialties that was most likely to do so of all the major specialties, with 100% of specialty training posts filled in the first interview round last year, as opposed to 77% um, a couple of years ago. So that is really encouraging. And the other thing is that the COVID-19 crisis, I think, has really raised the profile of pathology. Another project that I'm involved with in schools is about whether uh, the increased exposure to talk about testing and vaccines and all the work, cr crucial work that pathologists have done during the pandemic, whether this has had any influence on um, school pupils' career choices and raised their awareness of not just medical pathology, but also uh, as scientists and, and biomedical scientists. I that's you know there's so many amazing things to kind of unravel from that it is first of all fantastic work i mean it's so you know it's so true that we have to kind of bribe them with with food uh, or you know competitive spirit and you know if we do it correctly they do come over which is wonderful um but it is nice to know that they they might be initially bribed to come because of those reasons but they stay because they find what amazingness you know this career actually has congratulations for all these changes that are happening it is interesting that you mentioned the covid-19 pandemic i've also found in our own roles here that uh, COVID-19, so I run a medical laboratory science uh, graduate program as well. And recently up the personal statements and interview interviews that I've been having with candidates have mentioned the fact that there has been a spotlight in a way on the labs, which was never there before. I mean, it has been there temporarily once in a while. We saw it with Zika, with H1N1, you know, et cetera. Uh, but I think that it's been a little bit different this time, probably a little bit stronger spotlight. There's been so much confusion about like, our roles, et cetera, about testing. And I agree with you. I think that perhaps leveraging it right now would be something we can't really give up on. We have to leverage it and uh, take out whatever silver lining we can take from this cloud. Uh, and so I will be interested to know what your, your experience ends up being towards, you know, when you finish this work about seeing whether this actually played a big role or not. On the other hand, I think that, you know, it's interesting as you were talking about foundation that that is a little bit different from the way we have it here in the United States, right? We have obviously residency applications as soon as uh, medical students receive uh, their medical education and they don't necessarily get that foundation year or foundation time to specifically think about one or the other, which I, as you were speaking, I was wondering whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, giving them that time to think about it may give you an extra time to uh, to intrigue people about pathology because, you know, they, they may be able to stumble on it. Like, you know, we, we luckily got Matt to do so. Um, or for example, does that necessarily, in many cases that probably takes them away from pathology even more because, um, 
they it's a it's a distant memory you know when they when they learned pathology in medical school uh, you know combining that with at least on the american side there's been a push to really um, compress preclinical education uh, focus more on chronic uh, health conditions etc and I think that the push has not paralleled to kind of talk about how important pathology and laboratory medicine will be in that, right? And so uh, I worry from our perspective here in the United States that as they compress those first two years indirectly, they'll be compressing pathology education, right? Because they don't consider pathology in clinical years, which I agree with Matt. I mean, it's the whole basis of everything that they're discussing. Uh, and so I think perhaps part of it have them view clinical medicine with a different light. And I think that that has been the challenge uh, that we all individually have been working on, uh, you know, or with the organizations that we're a part of. So Matt, this is very cool, the battles that uh, Ankharad mentioned, et cetera. So tell us a little bit about your work with the Trainees Advisory Council. You know, we see all these cool things on social media that you guys are doing, and I'm always intrigued about them. So tell me about some of the things that you have done and have uh, found success in. Thank you very much, um, Cameron. Well, the Chinese Advisory Committee is a, a committee that I currently chair that represents um, all the specialties of pathology, really. So we have a trainee representative um, for each one. And so we come together with several meetings each year to discuss potentially training related issues. But also many of us are involved in sort of public engagement work and also tr pr trying to promote the specialty as well. So lots of schemes that we get involved with. Um, as, as Ang Harrod mentioned, one of the big successes we've had that's been going on for several years now is the pathology summer school which um, when it's in face-to-face -face version we have the delight of being at the Gordon Pathology Museum in London which if anybody has ever been to it's one of the most fascinating places uh, just the pathology museums are quite incredible where the medical students get exposure to the different pathology pots and get to see these specimens. And not only that, have experienced pathologists, both trainees and consultants, talking to them about these different cases and again, showcasing their specialties, which has always been such a um, such a rewarding thing for the pathologists, as well as um, really good feedback coming from um, the students as well. Um, one of the other things we've been doing is we've been engaging a lot with schools. So over a number of years now, I've been going to different um, local high schools and colleges as well. And uh, as Ang Harrod mentioned, the battle idea, um, I actually, first of all, implemented that at a local school. So I had a fictional patient who was one of my colleagues who um, painted their face yellow to mimic jaundice. And um, I then had uh, introduced this my friend as the, the patient that told them about the symptoms and signs he was experiencing and uh, then we had a little station um, set up around each of those pathology specialties so histopathology microbiology chemical pathology um, uh, and hematology and the students would work around and do a different test um, at each station and then they had a flow chart that they could then work out what the diagnosis was and then got a talk at the end about about that specific um, disease and you can adapt that to um, we've been able to adapt that to any age group really you can do that with adults you can do that with um, children um, it's just a really good interesting way of capturing people's interest in things that they might come across um, uh, in pathology um, the other thing is careers talks are really valuable and I think at the moment in particular um, the virtual arena has meant that access is um, quite is really good um, so we can I've been invited this week in fact to uh, give a, a talk at a in a school's careers event um, and again other members of the committee are very involved with the, that process as well um, we also, again, get involved in other campaigns, so things like patient safety, which is a massive um, uh, 
massively important part of a pathologist's daily routine. And so again, showing the public the importance of how the quality and efficiency of departments and the work that we do, ensuring that their, their diagnosis, patients' diagnoses are accurate, um, is also something we're very heavily involved with as well. And as Anghar had mentioned, this found the foundation taster days that we've been we've been a heavy part of. Um, again, this year it was amazing to have over 200 delegates again in the virtual arena. Um, and so, like as you've said, although it's been a, a very a very difficult time for everybody in the pandemic, it's actually meant not only are people looking at the specialty more, but we've got access to people a lot easier as well. And again, t doing evening short evening talks. I'm in the process of planning one at the moment about history and pathology. And so one of my passions outside of um, uh, my day-to-day -day job is history. And there are so many instances where pathology has had a massive impact and caused major uh, changes in history. And so I'm planning on giving a, um, a, a talk um, in the next few months publicly about that. So there are lots of ways of sort of potentially capturing interest. And again, the Trainee Advisory Committee are, are, are very heavily involved in that across the different specialties, which is great. That advisory committee is so, so lucky to have you. I think it's, <laughs> it's been wonderful, the energy that you carry around it. I, I personally am also very interested in history, uh, you know, uh, when, as it pertains to pathology. Uh, nowhere close to how amazing you are. I, <laughs> I feel like, you know, hearing about the summer school, I want to go to the summer school. I mean, in the Gordon Bill, that's where Thomas Hodgkin's specimens are mm, kept, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, why why wouldn't I want to go spend, like, <laughs> like, you should open it up for much older students. You know, this, uh, you know, it would be really, really wonderful. Um, one of the one of the nice things about those sort of events is that um, the students really appreciate having a you know face to face contact and speaking to pathologists and the amount of times about that I've, you could they get access to you you can give them email addresses and contact they've got questions about um, it, um, and many of them in fact who have gone on to end up being applying for pathology have asked questions about applications and interviews it allows us almost like a mentoring system to come into place really uh, um, and you can your it makes you accessible really and that's really important um, and I think again that that that's something to promote pathology with because the the, the people who are in the specialty are so passionate about it um, and are really interested in it and um, and I think a lot of students um, when they're thinking about careers and um, career specialties they look to those people that actually inspire them and are, are good, good teachers or good educators as well and I think we've, we're very lucky in pathology to have a huge number of those people that um, are, are helping the specialty in that regard. I completely agree. I think face-to-face -face really underlies much of the success that we've had. Like you mentioned, face-to-face, -face, obviously, with the pathologist inspired or inspirational um, for these students. But then also in the battles that you were mentioning, you know, even if someone is painting themselves yellow to become jaundiced, I think that that really is a visual of how pathology relates to the patient. I think that one of the issues we've always had is this idea that it's a disconnect, right? You think mm -hmm. of a clinical vignette, which is on paper, and then you answer the pathology, but you, you know, but it's an extra step. And I, and the and the good medical student will always take that extra step and imagine the patient. Uh, because if you don't imagine the patient or if you don't see the patient, then that is where this disconnect starts, where medical students don't consider the direct impact that you're having on that human life because we're kind of dealing with numbers and, you know, strange things in the laboratory, which, you know, may not even seem to be directly connected, but they totally are. And so even this visual of painting someone yellow, right, it gives you this direct connection between the pathophysiology and the patient, which I think is something we really have to um, do more of. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think there are so many incidences where pathology has really made a huge difference to patient care. And 
um, and when looking down the microscope or at the digital screen and you see something that was completely unexpected and the clinicians who are treating the patient have been unsure what direction to take, what treatment to try next. And it's so it's such a privilege to be in a position where you can actually construct a report or pick up the phone as well and to inform them that actually you found this and it might this might change the direction of a patient's care. And the same things with, you know, can, in the world of field of cancer as well, where there may be an unknown primary where, where a lesion has developed um, and we can employ different immunohistochemical tests or even molecular pathology now, which is really transforming that area and actually give a more accurate diagnosis and allow a patient to go on the right treatment path way and it's a it's and that goes for all the pathology specialties it's not just histopathology or neuropathology um and it's a it's a privilege to be able to help and shape the direction of patient management and may improve outcomes for them as well that's that's something to be encouraged and again if if medical students have got that um it's worth again another lovely thing about pathology is it's such a thinking specialty there's right. there's so much to learn every pathologist i know has a has a wall of books of just there's so there's, there's it's, it's a really interesting thing if you want to develop develop your knowledge. And again, I always use the analogy of sort of medical detectives. If you like sort of that sort of detective diagnostic work, then it's um, it's certainly the, uh, the specialty for you. Well, I've had the honor of seeing your library, at least partially. <laughs> meetings, so nobody nobody has more books than you, at least than I know <laughs> of. And so I think that's number one, fascinating. Uh, number two, I think that this, uh, you know, the visual, the marketing visual of how important we are in patient care. I always bring back this example of the Royal College of Pathologists of Australasia. They had like this very, very nice, uh, I think it was a Twitter banner, perhaps on their Twitter page, where it's a it's a tube of blood, it has blood in it. And the question on the tube, it says, is mom going to be all right? You know, mm -hmm. and that is such a striking visual, right? Because it is a test tube, you know, it's, 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 it's obviously about to be tested. Mm -hmm. uh, but but it goes beyond the fact that this is just a specimen. Uh, mm -hmm. It goes to answering a question. And you know, and, and I love whoever, whoever did that marketing deserves like some sort of an award, because it, it really, you know, it, it's from the perspective of a child about a mother, like, you know, it invokes all the correct emotions. And so I think that, you know, and many times when I go to health, uh, health professions fairs here, either talking about medical laboratory science or pathology, one of the things that sometimes really works is that if people are completely uninitiated, like they have no idea about what this is, uh, and then I say something like, well, how do you know if a five-year-old's fever is because of leukemia or a blood cancer or mm -hmm. just an infection, right? Mm -hmm. And while it seems like such a simplistic question, uh, you know, which has a simple kind of answer, obviously there's a complex thing behind it. it. At least it gets people thinking, you know, and I think that if we, if we get people to think, then at least we, we've started to do our job. Absolutely. Correctly. Along those same lines, we've tried to draw on that with our uh, Foundation Doctor Essay Prize. The last two years, the subject for the Essay Prize has been tiny test, huge impact. And what we've asked the Foundation Doctors to do is not to write about some esoteric area of pathology, but to write about a patient that they have seen that the pathology test result has hugely impacted on, on that patient personally and on their family. And that, that is in order to try and bring that home to them, that the patients they're seeing day to day in the ward, that pathology is making such a contribution. And the essay, the winning essay last year was absolutely fantastic and really succeeded in doing that. And if, if anyone's interested, you could go to the website of the Royal College of Pathologists and look for last year's winning foundation prize essay because it is really worth a read. That 
that sounds so amazing. I uh, will probably even hopefully find that. And when we post this episode, we'll hopefully like, you know, give a link to it because that would be wonderful. We have been trying similar things. I, we might piggyback off of these wonderful ideas. You, uh, you know, don't be surprised if like there's some random battles happening in the United States now about pathology <laughs> education, but they will be given uh, due credit and uh, acknowledgement to you guys and all of the amazing work that RCPath has been doing. That's just, just wonderful. I wanted to switch gears just a little bit and talk about diversity and inclusion. I know I see that uh, Angharad, you have done fantastic work there from the you know point of view of the Royal College of Pathologists. Uh, myself, I'm you know I'm part of these initiatives for the College of American Pathologists and also the American Society of Clinical Pathology. It's a it's a there's a big push and huge motivation to uh, do the right thing and make the right call. Uh, could you speak a little bit about um, your work with equality initiatives and uh, diversity? and inclusion? So I, I am interested in diversity and inclusion particularly, and I am involved in quite a few uh, UK initiatives. The Royal College of Pathologists Diversity and Inclusion Initiative is run by, uh, led by Esther Yaud, who's our assistant registrar, and she's doing some fantastic work uh, to improve on our um, current situation in, in the Royal College. Um, more broadly, I'm also involved in a programme called Athena Swan. I don't know if you've heard of that. That's a UK gender equality initiative in higher education in, in academia. But one of the points that Valerie Fitzhugh brought out very well in the session that I had the privilege of listening to was that um, health inequalities are very much the business of pathologists and really affect our work as well and are really important. For example, in infection, you couldn't find a better example of a field where health inequalities are absolutely critical to be addressed. And so we don't only think about equality and diversity within our college or within our profession, we have to think about it within society at large. And that is part of our remit as pathologists. And I felt that um, Valerie Fitzhugh got that across very well something that trainees are extremely passionate about as well and um, certainly I sit on that diversity inclusion committee and several other TAC members do as well it's something we're working very closely with the college on as well from the trainee point of view as also I think it's absolutely the future you know I mean if people don't have this as a high priority on their agenda then they really you know they're not what do we say they're not woke enough you know I mean they've definitely been sleeping at the wheel and and I think that that would, would be a, a terrible injustice to not you know be able to address these uh, issues and I and Ankarad, you you know the point about Dr. Fitzhugh's lecture that you're making is is a really great one. I've been having conversations here locally. I'm you know I've been studying a little bit of bioethics now here at Loyola University of Chicago. Uh, and uh, you know one of our medical students, Colin Lilly, who you may know, has been working closely with me on different aspects. And he is completing a master's degree, and he talks about how justice in pathology, inequities in pathology, like all of really all of these inequities in testing are pathology and uh, you know issues and pathology has such an important role to play uh, in the national and international conversation of health uh, you know distribution of testing the bioethics of testing you know as matt was mentioning the future of molecular pathology uh, and inequality i mean can you imagine the inequalities that make and have already been brought forth by the fact that access to molecular testing you know in one group versus the other group and and if pathologists don't have um don't have an interest to be part of the conversation, then we are losing out on being able to really steer the ship into the correct direction. And I'm so glad 
that at least, you know, whether it be a, a, an infant kind of endeavor, like right at the start, or whether some of the organizations are a little bit more into it, uh, that people are doing the right thing and, you know, at least asking the correct questions and hopefully getting to the right answers. Uh, so it's very inspiring to me that, you know, all of that work is being done. It's a really good point to raise, Cameron, as well, because I think also putting this in the public arena and that the patients can really help to drive this as well. So a lot of the myself and a few trainee colleagues from around the world um, last year were involved in the Future of Pathology report um, and sort of publishing um, what we saw of our vision for the future of pathology and particularly focusing on thing. My particular chapter I was focused on was molecular pathology. And it's, again, putting that out into the public arena and seeing showing people what they what should happen to their tumors and things and i think there can be a drive from that side as well so we can work alongside the public to drive for these changes and ensure these inequalities um can 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 be removed as it were and so everybody gets the equal care that they deserve and the correct diagnostic care that they deserve as well so towards the end i love this discussion that we've been having i'm going to put you both on the spot just a little bit and i'm going to ask you to end the interview uh by kind of giving us a little spiel, let's say that you are faced with an uninitiated medical student uh, in an elevator. Uh, and I'm going to ask you for a two minute or, you know, whatever short elevator speech about why you love what you do and why they should consider uh, becoming, you know, uh, someone who is uh, involved in the laboratories or in pathology. And I'm going to start with you, Matt. And so that way, Andrew <laughs> gets a few minutes, uh, you know, to think about it. But you are on the spot right now. Thank you. Um, well, I I think my passion for this specialty is excuse I love it. No two days that are the same. Um, when I come in the morning, I never know what I'm going to see um, down the microscope um, uh, or the digital screen for a case. And you can make such a difference to a patient as a result of that. Um, if you enjoy medical detective work, if you like trying to work out um, what's wrong with someone, if you like bringing all the pieces of the jigsaw together, not just doing within your own pathology specialty but speaking to others in other departments as well even and the clinical teams and the radiologists as well then it's the specialty for you and if you like things that are advancing quickly um, things that are changing things that are evolving again we're, we're we're only on the tip of the iceberg of the changes that are coming for this specialty in the future and the research if you like teaching if you like research opportunities I don't think there's any other specialty that gives more opportunity for doing that um, than pathology does. I've just sat, uh, just finished a PhD now. Um, I've been a, heavily involved in teaching throughout my career and continue to do so. Um, you can adapt your career and your interests around your daily working life as a pathologist. And um, your trainers and other colleagues are very willing to support that as well. So if you uh, through medical school, a lot of the time we're all pigeonholed into think about one specialty in pathology, if you say went into histopathology, you can choose multiple different areas, respiratory, gastrointestinal, dermatopathology. You don't have to be specific. You can be general. And um, so definitely give it some consideration. It seems like you might have done this before. <laughs> Fantastic. Ankarad. Yeah, I can't add very much to what Matt has said, but uh, I think one reason why pathology is so wonderful is that it's an area of medicine that impacts on more of us than probably any other area of medicine. Um, it impacts on us and our patients from, from before they're born sometimes, even in the case of reproductive science, right until the day they die, so from cradle to grave. So it's, it follows the whole life journey of a patient. I think that's very inspiring as well. 
That was very, very powerful. So medical students, uh, pre-health students, uh, people in foundation years, you have heard it here from the best of the best. And that is that if you want to be part of an important part of a patient's life from before birth till even after death, and if you want to have a career which uh, excites you every day, helps you answer mysteries every single day, uh, then you know you were on the elevator with these two amazing individuals and you heard it directly from them. And so as you get off this elevator now to go on to whatever journey you're going to do, uh, keep that in mind. Uh, thank you both, uh, Matt and Ankara. It has been really, really exceptional speaking to you today, and I look forward to speaking to you in the future. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting us. <laughs> thank you for having us. Pod podcast comes from listeners who like it and share it with their friends. So go ahead, send someone the link. And be sure to subscribe to PathPod wherever you download your podcasts. PathPod is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not medical advice. As always on the podcast, any views expressed are solely those of the person speaking and do not necessarily represent their employers, their affiliated institutions, affiliated professional organizations, other speakers on the program, their friends, their families, their pets, or anyone involved in the production and distribution of this podcast. Thanks for listening to PathPod.